My name's Randy. Glad to be with you. Um, for the past few months, we have been teaching on a variety of different topics, such as uh, the human dilemma back in the uh, in March, and the nature of God, the nature of humankind, the nature of the human person, uh, why Jesus came, the atonement, the gospel of Jesus, uh, the message of the kingdom. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, the church and the Holy Spirit. And last week I initiated a new series that will take us through about the end of August-ish that I'm entitling Life in Christ. And in all of those various um, top talks and teachings, I highlighted that Jesus did more for us than just die for our sins so that we would go to heaven when we die. And I would suggest that the truth is that Jesus came, lived, taught, healed, loved, died, rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, filled with glory from the Father and sent the Holy Spirit that we would be saved and delivered from a dead life into new life, an eternal kind of life, a life free from the distractions of this world, free to live the life that we were created and destined to live with and in connection with and community with God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And Jesus calls this life different things. He speaks of it as the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the heavens. He speaks of it as being born of the Spirit and being born again. He speaks of it as the way of righteousness and the way of God. He speaks of it as eternal life and the abundant life, the super abundant life, and other things. Listen to these familiar words from John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And that's what we see in our world to a great degree. Jesus said, however, I came and have it soup over the top you might say. Yet the truth also is that few people who profess to be a Christian, having faith in Christ and who consider Jesus to be their Savior, are experiencing anything like this super abundant new and eternal kind of life. And, and vastly true in our own occasional church, it's a little different than the And that should not be the case. Over the last few years, we have referenced our church narrative as a description of both the kind of life we believe the church that we are to be. And if you would, uh, read with me uh, the narrative out loud. That one will work. Just out loud with me, if you would. The Vineyard Church of San Antonio 
is part of the great family of God, seeking to be like Jesus in all things through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. As we experience his love, we respond by loving God, loving one another, and loving his lost and hurting world. And I would propose to you that that's how Jesus lived. That's how he taught his disciples to live. That's how he's wanting us to live. And that that is a picture of this eternal kind of life. Knowing and experiencing God's love, the first part of it, and then secondarily from that experience, Growing into becoming like Jesus, being a part of a family, a community, being drawn into the very community of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. We have been invited in. This morning and for the next month or so, I want to focus our Sunday talks around this phrase in that material in that narrative, seeking to become like Jesus in all things. But before we do that, let's pray. Jesus, what a a privilege it is to have been invited by you into this life, this abundant, super abundant life of loving experience of you and loving experience with one another. Filled with a bountiful overflowing love that reaches out to those who don't yet know you. Jesus, might we find the way to connect with you to you, Father, to you, Spirit, that we would, in fact, be changed, transformed, becoming like you, Jesus, in all things. And as we reflect on these various verses this morning, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us and that you would make your invitation to us very clear. What is it that you are inviting us to as we think about this phrase of becoming like you, Jesus, in all things? Come, Holy Spirit. Fall upon us. Ignite us with love, with your love, unto your glory. In Jesus' name. So the New Testament is is pretty clear about this idea that we are to become like Jesus. In Romans 8, 28 and 29, a verse we're very familiar with, at least the first part. We know that God works all things together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also destined to become like his son. 
Those whom he called, whom he foreknew, he destined to become like his son. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, the gifts that Christ gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for works of service, for building up the body of Christ until all of us become one in faith and in the knowing of the Son of God unto teleos, wholeness and completeness, to the full measure of the maturity of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking to you truthfully and in love, we must grow up becoming like Christ in all things. And I found it interesting as I, I settled into that passage, you will, you'll sense um, a slight difference. Do we have the next verse? Or you're, you guys are building it as you go? Yeah, okay. Um, Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up becoming like Christ in all things. A phrase we use a lot, at least the first part of it. Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up. But in the context, my sense as I was looking at this is that's not a command to us to speak the truth in love. Paul is talking about our need to grow up into Christ, to become mature to not be children, not be tossed to and fro by people's trickery, by their caffeineness. And then he says, but telling you the truth and in love, we must grow up becoming like Christ in all things. Paul's encouragement in this passage is that we need to grow up to become like Jesus. And he's telling us the truth. I'm telling you the truth, guys, and I'm telling this to you in love. We must grow up, becoming like Christ in all things. First Peter says, this is the kind of life you've been invited into. The very life that Jesus, the kind of life that Jesus lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know that it could be done for you to follow in his steps. And in 1 John, Paul John says, This is how we know we are in Christ. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as he did. So here we have this, this theme, this, this idea of, of growing and change and transformation, becoming like Christ, following in his footsteps walking as he walked. So let me ask you a few questions. Do you really believe that you're to become like Jesus? Does that come to your mind throughout your week as you're living? I need to I need to grow up. I I need to become mature like Christ. 
do, do we really believe that or is it something that we've heard and just simply said there is just no way you know that's just really not possible for me to be like Jesus so I'm not even going to try but if you do believe it how are you doing at becoming like him And do you have any kind of a a, a plan or a, a strategy for becoming like Jesus? Are we intentionally seeking to become like him? And I, I know that we give mental assent to this idea of becoming like Jesus, but I, I don't think that we intentionally make plans or effort to actually become like him. And my point here is not to judge, nor condemn or shame us, but it's to heighten our awareness that there is a difference between thinking we're supposed to be doing something and actually working at doing it. I I don't think we are will ever sort of wake up one morning and find ourselves like Jesus. When we think about the idea of, of someone becoming like someone they admire, I think one of the easiest uh, options is for maybe an athlete. We have a lot of great athletes and a lot of young people look up to these athletes and and it's very common for a, a, a boy, a young boy in their early, <clears throat> late adult, you know, childhood and early adolescence to, to, to admire and say, I, I want to be just like, name the athlete. Now, that's a great ambition. And is it possible? Maybe. Like, but it's not going to just sort of happen. There's, there's going to need to be effort and practice and opportunity and intentionality. And I'm going to suggest to you this morning that becoming like Jesus is the same thing. Now, the really cool thing about becoming like Jesus is that it's through the empowering presence of God that we get to learn to do that. We're not on our own. This isn't just sort of a matter of grunting out, you know, this new kind of righteous living. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to be like. But does there need to be some part we play? Is, is there a participation? Is there a process that we can imagine doing that will lead us on a daily basis or a weekly or a monthly or an annual basis that we're growing to become more like Jesus? And we can, we can look back and say, wow, you know, this issue I used to have in my life, it's not here anymore. Or it isn't affecting me that frequently. Claire and I have struggled uh, off and on in our in our marriage of growing 
together in love. Uh, when we married, uh, I've, I've said this long lot before, I, I think I was really a jerk. And had I been seeking to marry one of my own daughters, I would have said, don't even, don't even look that way. But God, in his kindness and love to me, led Claire and I together. And it's been a struggle. And one of my personal struggles is the desire for people uh, to um, like me. I'm sure none of you have that issue. But to me, it's, I, I, like, I like people. I don't like getting yelled at. I don't like disappointing. Uh, I don't like uh, sort of m- making mistakes that, you know, just really shouldn't happen. And so in the early, my early 20s and 30s and 40s even, I, I struggled when Clara would come to me to share with me things in my life that were not so helpful to her. And she did that very kindly and graciously and nicely. But because of my unwholeness and my brokenness in my life, uh, for years when she would come to me in that way, I would go to this place of I'm bad. I'm really not doing a good job. And maybe Clara and the rest of the world would be better off without me. And we lived with the pain together of that brokenness in me for a long time. A lot of decades. But it's almost rarely here anymore. But it happened this week. (laughs) It happened on Friday morning, right? Friday sometime. So I'm not there yet. I'm not yet teleos, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I'm straining forward to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The passage we ended with last Sunday. My guess is is that there's at least a couple of challenges for us in this idea of becoming like Jesus. One may well be that we have tried and it really didn't work and we simply gave up. Another is that maybe we've just never even tried. Another challenge, very legitimate, is that the very idea of becoming like Jesus is just too daunting. How could we or anyone ever become like him? So we don't try. Another challenge, though, that I think is perhaps another option No matter how much we've read the Bible or other books or listened to sermons and teachings, we just don't know what to do. How in the world, what do I do to become like Jesus? Okay, I guess I should love my wife more. 
that's a good one. Um, guess I shouldn't yell at my kids. But is it is that all there is as a possibility? Are we left to just sort of our own ideas to figure it out? And so we've struggled. We've concluded it just isn't possible to become like Jesus. But I think it is possible. I, I think it's something that, that many throughout the centuries have have found the means and the intentionality and the vision to pursue and to experience. Paul, for sure. And yet even Paul says in Philippians... I'm not there yet. I'm still working on it. So I'm a work in process. That's okay. But are we a work? Are we in process? I mean, Scripture, Paul says, God has begun the work in us and he's going to complete it. But he's going to complete it with our participation, our cooperation, our are coming alongside, yes, through the empowering presence of God. I've often thought about this. Uh, this image came to me decades ago. you got a sailboat, beautiful, gorgeous sailboat. Claire and I have sailed on one with some good friends once. If it didn't have a motor, which that one did, but if it didn't, there's no way for that thing to move without what? Wind. Sales. And let me tell you, it's not just put up a sail and think you're going to go where you want to go. Anybody heard the word tack? What's the other one? What's the other way? Jibe. I could never remember that one. So God comes along and he says, son, I want you to sail to that island over there. And I'm going to give you the wind. And the wind comes up. And what happens? If we don't know how to sail. Probably tip over or whatever. Right? Let's just put them up. You put them up and if it's a little one, you know, and you're learning. Anyway. Our life in God is a cooperative event. He can come with all of his power and wind and life and blessing, but we've got to say yes. We've got to come alongside his vision and say, yeah, I want to become like Jesus. In the introduction to his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, Understanding How God Changes Lives, Dallas Willard says this about becoming like Jesus. My central claim is that we can become like Christ by doing one thing. By following him in the overall style of life that he chose for himself. If we have faith in Christ, we must believe that he knew how to live. And we can, through faith and grace, become like Christ by practicing the types of activities that he engaged in, by arranging 
our whole lives around the activities that he himself practiced in order to remain constantly at home in the fellowship of the spirit of his father and jesus did that through the empowering presence of the holy spirit and it's how we too can become like jesus so a little bit of joint cooperation and audience participation what were some of the ways that jesus yeah i'm not going to do that question i'm going to do a different one what were some of the ways some of the things that jesus did to experience this abundant life what 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 can we think of from his life what are some of the practices that he experienced that he expressed in his life he prayed how frequently Okay, got a sense that it's no One of the amazing little stories is a really long, hard day. Feeding of the 5,000, that thing. He had been preaching all day. Then they feed him. It's getting dark. It's dusk. <clears throat> what does he do after that? Does he go lay down and go to sleep? He went up the mountain. He sent the disciples off. You guys go to the other side. Go get a, you know, find a hotel or something like that. I, I, I need to be alone. I need to connect with my Father and the Spirit. I need to be restored because that was one heck of a day. What else do we see in Jesus' life? Okay. For his own benefit, what he was a teacher, so what does that tell us about him? that he had done prior to teaching. Prayed, he studied, he sought the Holy Spirit. Anything else comes to mind that we see that Jesus did? He lived in community. He fasted. Healed. Expressed love. Donna? He knew when to be silent. He allowed others to take care of him, to be involved in his life. All right, now another question for you. One that was up there. So, Jesus had these disciples, these individuals, that he was training and and i think we can um, appropriately imagine that his goal for them was that they would become like him so what were some of the things that jesus had what were some of the ways that jesus had for his disciples to become like him it, 
So, so he kind of modeled these things. These things that we just a minute ago sort of were describing that he did, some of them, and at some times he was doing that with them, right? And so he modeled it. He, he sent them out uh, to, to practice, probably not after the first training session, but yes, at some point in time, he said, okay, guys, you're ready now. What are some other things he did with them? A lot of debriefing. Lot of debriefing. Listening to their questions. Paying attention to them. He corrected them. Oy vey. <laughs> Not again. He didn't stop them when they were headed towards something big where there was the potential of failure. Can you name a time? Yeah. They It's good. So what did that how did that train them? Faith? He challenged them? He did. The mountain of transfiguration? He told a lot of stories. And he had them with him a lot. So think with me for a minute. This plan of Jesus for his disciples to become like him. And I would suggest that the primary thing, all these things that we've just described, the primary means for his disciples to become like him was for them to be to be with him to walk in the spirit absolutely but the primary thing that he initially and throughout his whole 3 years with them was they were with him listen to this passage from the apostle John John chapter 1 verses 35 through 43 the next day John was back at his post with two disciples after Jesus's uh, baptism who were watching And John looked up, John, this is John the Baptist, looked up, saw Jesus walking nearby and said, here he is, God's Passover lamb. The two disciples heard him and went after him, began to follow him. At some point, Jesus looked over at his shoulder and he said, "Uh, what are you after? What are you looking for? What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, um, 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 where are you staying? What are you looking for? Where are you staying? I don't think they knew what they were looking for. But something's in front of them that caught their attention. He said, come along and see for yourself. 
they came, saw where he was living and ended up staying with him for the day. And it was late afternoon when this happened. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John's witness and followed Jesus. The first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was to find his own brother Simon, telling him, we found the Messiah, that is Christ. And he led him to Jesus. Jesus took one look at and said, you're John's son, Simon. From now on, your name is Cephas, or Peter, which means rock. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And when he got there, he ran across Philip and he said, come follow me. Time after time after time, Matthew, many of the other disciples, follow me. Come be with me. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. Jesus went up the mountain and called to him those whom he wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed them, twelve, whom he also named apostles, to be with him. And to be sent out to proclaim the message and to have authority to cast out demons. And then at the end of Matthew's gospel, following his death and resurrection, Jesus culminates his training of the disciples by imparting to them his power, his authority, his commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus drew close to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do everything I have commanded you. And know this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I want you to notice something from this passage. Just as Jesus made disciples by being with them, so his intention is that that would still be happening. Jesus gives these instructions to his disciples who would then give these instructions to their disciples. And he adds to them and to all of us who would come in that progression of disciples, I am with you always. How are we going to become like Jesus How are we going to be his disciple, his apprentice? We're going to need to be with him. And bless God, he's already committed to be with us. In fact, he says, I'm already there. I'm always with you. I would like to suggest that Jesus is still making disciples. That he's still inviting men and women, children and teens to be with him. And he's doing that in community. The charge to the disciples here was to the disciples together. 
It's a plural. The making of disciples, go, is plural. You all, y'all, good old Texas, y'all, together, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them together, community, with the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, with the presence of Jesus, with the love and commitment of the Father. And no, Jesus being with us is not the same in the physical way that it was for his disciples, but it is no less a part of his means for us to become like him. You know, we talk and think about accepting Jesus. And we talk about accepting Jesus as our Savior. Sometimes we use the word and Lord, which I'm not sure isn't simply a a statement of faith rather than a statement of real commitment. But my question this morning for you, each one of us here have accepted Jesus as Savior. But are you willing to accept Jesus as your mentor and teacher? And if so, are you willing to allow him to teach you how to become like him? And if so, are you willing to actively pursue being with him and learning from him? Because it's going to take something like that to become like him. And my hope and my invitation to us is that as we continue to grow and mature as apprentices of Jesus, together as a community, that we more and more, week after week, will look more and more like Jesus. Together, and as we individually go out into our communities and have relationships and serve in workplaces and loving our families. Let's pray. Wow. Follow me were the words that you spoke to so many. One said, yes, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first I I need to go home and take care of some family business. Follow me. You said to one individual and he said, well, I've got so much to deal with. I've got a lot of work to do and I've got business to maintain. 
Go and sell all you have. Give it to the poor and then come follow me. Jesus, you are still inviting us. Yes, to be our Savior. But you really are also asking us to consider you as our teacher, our mentor, and our Lord. Thank you for your invitation to us today to come and be with you, even as you have committed to be with us. Would you walk with us from here this morning, Jesus? Would you walk with us as we engage our life today and as we fall asleep tonight and we wake up tomorrow and the next day and the next day, would you show yourself to us? Would you become present to us? Would you teach us how to hear your voice and to see you? Holy Spirit, we need your empowering presence. We, we, there is no way, and you're not even asking us to do this on our own. There, we can't, and that's okay. But we need to welcome you. We need to ask for your help. We need to seek out what does it mean to experience your empowering presence, just like Jesus did. What are the practices, Jesus, that you did that led you into the kind of person that you were and your disciples the same. Come. Come Holy Spirit. Come Jesus. Fill us with your love. Transform us from the inside out as we experience your love. Empower us to love you to love one another, and to love your lost and hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for hanging out today with us. And look forward to seeing you next week. Next week's going to be a joy for you. If um, you would like some prayer or ministry, you'd like to talk with somebody, perhaps something I said really bugged you this morning, uh, I'd love for you to come up and share that with me and help me to be able to uh, possibly be able to help you understand what I really meant. Um, or perhaps you're stirred in a sense that, yeah, yeah, like, be, wow, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite a thought, Randy. We would love, we'll have others up here who would love to pray with you as well. And we'll be walking this out together. Uh, over the next lifetime that you're with us and that I'm with you. This was a initiation, sort of. Bless you all. Have a great week, and uh, I'll see you when I get back from vacation.
Have a great week.